Well, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to just look at our, our text verse, and then we're going to jump over to chapter 12 um, and pick up where we've been talking about living by faith. And uh, this is the, uh, the path that God has determined for us, that those that live by faith will receive the promise of God. And that's a great thing because it means that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to be good enough. Um, uh, we don't have to jump certain hurdles, uh, make it through certain hoops, uh, but that all we need to do is put our faith in the God who does it all for us. And uh, we've been looking, but what does that mean? What does it look like to put our faith? Because that is not just, okay, I'm just going to believe uh, mentally and I acknowledge it and then I'm good. I can just live however I want. No, there is a life of faith that... Um, we've been looking at. So let's pick it up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36. And he tells us, you have need of endurance. And we see this faith and endurance go together because it is, it is that decision to walk a life of faith that is enduring. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith and preserve their souls. And, and so we see that we have to choose to live by faith that as we make that commitment, and faith is a commitment, it is an endurance, um, but it is a holding on to the promises of God. Um, what does that faith look like? We looked at uh, chapter 11 that, that says faith is not just a mental exercise, but we talked about the five main uh, factors of faith, and it starts with believing, but then it moves to trusting, it moves into action or response. Um, it moves into the heart where there is treasuring, and then there is a selflessness in sacrifice. And so all of these make up faith. When we are living by faith, we are living in belief. We're living in trust. We are living in an action that we choose to respond to that. We are living in a passion for God, a treasuring of Him, and then a willingness to sacrifice uh, for Him. We looked at our faith has to have the right focus, that we're not just believing and trusting, but it is important that what are you believing? We are believing in God's power and passion, that we believe that God has the ability, but He also has the care for us. We are trusting in God's purpose and His promises, not in trusting in what we want, but we are trusting what God has said. We act on God's principles. We make a decision to live by the principles that God has given us. And then we begin to treasure God's presence, that God, I just want to be with you. The reason why I live this way is not to earn something, it's not to uh, accomplish something, but I trust you and I act upon your pr principles because I want to be in your presence. His presence is what we treasure, and then we sacrifice for God's pleasure. God, whatever you want me to give up, I will give that up to please you. Not for myself. I don't sacrifice to get something. I sacrifice simply to please 
God. And so this is our focus, that Jesus becomes the focus of our faith. And we talked also that Jesus is the source of our faith, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith, that we are to constantly look to Jesus. As we learn to live by faith, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Um, We don't keep our eyes on, on faith itself. Faith itself is simply the act of keeping our eyes on Jesus, of calling out to Jesus, of pursuing Jesus. And then he begins to grow that faith within us. And that brings us uh, to today in uh, verse 11. Last week we looked at the purpose of faith, and the purpose of faith is to discipline us, to perfect us, so that God will get the glory in our life. So as we live by faith, there's going to be discipline, and, and God will bring hard things in our life. He doesn't See, many people think faith is something that if we just have faith, we can just claim it and God will do it. If we just believe enough, we can have whatever we claim. Well, that's not true. In fact, it's mostly time the opposite. When you live by faith, a lot of times you're not going to get what you want, but there's a reason because God is disciplining us. He's growing us. He's strengthening us. And as he is perfecting our life, it brings glory to God. And so as we go through those things with endurance, As we uh, uh, say, God, I'll do this for you because I'm not living my life for me. And so whatever you put in my path, God, I'm going to walk it with my eyes on Jesus so that you get the glory. Get the glory in my life, God. And that brings us to verse 11. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, now no chastening or discipline seems to be joyful for the present. How many of we know that? If you've played a sport... You know, you go through hell week before the season starts, and that's not fun. That's why they call it that. But we know that it prepares us. It makes you strong. And, and, and it's, it's not joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. I'm sorry. To those who have been trained by it. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. If we are living by faith, there should be something that should show up in our life. And it's the fruit. You know, you plant something, you nurture it, and and you tend it, you, you take care of it, and you hope that at some point it yields a fruit. And it's the same thing with this, this life of faith we've been talking about. It's not about just living a life of faith just for itself. At some point, your life should start to show something. And it says that even though sometimes it's not pleasurable, but in the end, if you've been trained by faith, if you have committed yourself to faith, it will produce this fruit. And what is the fruit? It produces the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness. We're going to talk about that in just a second. So let's go ahead and finish this. It says in verse 12, Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up will cause trouble and by this Many become defiled. 
lest there be any fornicator or sexually immoral or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So we see this describes the fruit of righteousness. So if we live a life of faith and we are disciplined by it, we are focused on God, it says that we will bear the fruit of righteousness. Let me give a description. Many times when we think of righteousness, we think of the word doing what's right, right? We think of right living, okay? So the fruit of righteousness is being someone who obeys all the commandments. You know, you follow the list. You do what's right. You're a good person. And it does have that somewhat sense to it. But what it really means, it's this righteousness it's not necessarily right living, but it's right relationship. Too many times we focus on the, the living and not on the relationship. Um, uh, to be righteous means that you are right with whatever your ideal is. So there's different types of, of righteousness. How many know that there are terrorists around the world who they do things uh, and they, they, they are doing them in righteous belief? So in their, they have their own righteousness. In other words, they are aligning themselves with their uh, uh, belief and their doctrines. Um, and so when we speak of righteousness, we are speaking of the righteousness that is in right relationship with God himself. And so the fruit of righteousness means that when we live by faith, we will find ourselves aligned and connected with God in a relationship uh, that bears fruit within us. And, and so the fruit of righteousness is a life that is connected and in relationship with God himself. That there is a walking and a talking and a sense of, of, of um, following and interaction with God himself. And, and through his Holy Spirit, we can know that. Now, sometimes people in the world can't understand that. Well, you can't see God. You can't touch God. And yet, if you have entered into faith and began to believe and begin to grow that faith, you will find that God is just as real as anything that you can see or touch or feel or taste or hear because you begin to walk in this fruit that develops in your soul because it says that God has created us with the very breath of life. And so there is something within us uh, beyond just our body uh, that comes into alignment with God. And we begin uh, to walk in righteousness, in an in awareness of His desire for our life, an awareness of His love for us, and an awareness of, of His appreciation for us that we can then have uh, that fulfillment and satisfaction and contentment that I am loved, that I have a purpose, that I have a meaning, and that comes from being righteous. Not always from doing everything right, but I am in right relationship with God. And you see, when we are in right relationship with God, um, it will begin to affect how we live our life, 
okay? So when we are in right relationship with God, it maybe causes us to follow the rules, to live a certain way. Because when you are in relation with someone, how many know that affects your behavior? You begin to not want to do things that, that upset the other person. Because if you love that other person, I, I don't want to do something that then they're going to get mad at me or they're going to be disappointed in me. And so that relationship begins to motivate the way I live and what I begin to enjoy and what I begin to have a passion for. And so God says as you begin to live by faith, you're going to find that the very nature of God begins to become your nature. The things that God loves is the things that I love because why? Because he is the one that I am in relationship with. He is the one that I treasure. He is the one that has given me life and hope and promises. But now it says in that scripture that we said, after it yields the fruit of righteousness, it says that fruit shows up in two ways. And it says that we are to pursue things. That, that fruit will... When you begin to develop the fruit of righteousness, God is going to give you a desire to pursue two things. And they, they kind of summarize this fruit of righteousness. Um, the first thing that it says to pursue, it says that you need to pursue peace with all men. Now, again, this is where we, we use a limited nature of peace. It is not to pursue peace like just make sure you're not fighting with everyone. Okay, stop calling them names. Come on, make up with them. Now that's part of it. I mean, if you're going to have peace, but the word peace means wholeness. It means to be connected with everyone. Come into a, a, a feeling of, of family. You see, the fruit of, uh, of righteousness will cause us to pursue love. For those around us. Jesus says this is the highest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we begin to love God with all our heart, naturally it is going to bring a desire for peace. And that peace with all men means that, that we begin to be rooted together in this love for God. And so to pursue peace means to pursue wholeness. It, it, I don't want to just be right with you that we're not arguing, but I want to see you grow. I want to see you develop all of your potential. So when it says you need to pursue peace with other people, you know what it's saying? You need to look out for one another. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. You are the one that you are to say, how can I help you draw closer to God? You see, that is the pursuit of peace. That's why it said, it says, look carefully so that no one misses out on the grace of God. It says, I want you to be aware of other people and you be the people that humble yourself um, to bring people to the fullness of the grace of God. And, and that means people in the family already and it means people not in the family already. That you love them. We don't condemn them. But we, may, we are looking that they may know the grace of God. That they may know that, that it's not a, a, a thing that they have to achieve, but that it's already done and that they can simply receive the free gift that Jesus purchased on the cross. So it says, pursue this with other people. You are the ambassador of peace to the world. You are the reflection of the love of Christ to those around you. And so pursue that. 
Many times we don't think of that as peace, but that is the peace that God died for, that we might all enter in to the promises of the family of God. Now, it does say you do need to avoid uh, uh, the roots of bitterness, uh, the things that, that come up between us. We need to pluck out. In, in fact, it says, it, it talks about, you know, pulling out that root of bitterness. It's like plucking the weeds. We got to pull the weeds, too. If there's anything that separates us, we need to be the people. We need to be the people that speak out against injustice. We need to be the people that speak out against racism. And I don't care whether you believe racism exists or not. If there is something that separates us, then we are the one that makes peace. You don't stand up, well, you're just, I just, you're just wrong. And I'm just going to stand up for what's right. Well, then we will never make peace if we all just stand for our own opinion. It's not about our opinion. It's about making peace or wholeness with others through the cross of Christ. And so are we willing to pull those roots in our own life, those disagreements, those things that we don't like about others, and we need to put them aside and say, you know what, if Jesus would died for them, then I need to die for them. We begin to die for one another. That is what it means to pursue peace. Now that means, let's be honest, what does that mean? That means that we need to actually interact with one another. That means that there is a pursuing. Now, pursuing means you're actively chasing something. We need to consciously prioritize coming together and being a part of each other's life. And that's the hard thing in today's world because here's how today's world has changed from where many of us older uh, people have grown up. When we grew up, everyone, you, you live together. There was no thought of, and now it's, it's individual. Well, there's my life. And now we're all living our own individual lives. And we come together for short moments, but they're just crossing. You know, we come to church on Sunday, and that's it. That's the last time we hear it. We have lost this idea of we are all family and that we need to speak into one another. We need to spend time with another. And that's where the, the faithfulness to church and, and to the fellowship is so important. This is not just a matter of scheduling. It's a matter of prioritizing because these are opportunities to make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. And sometimes that's in yourself because we allow other people to speak into us. Are we willing to be vulnerable and open ourselves up to allow other people in? And, and that is where the pursuit takes place. But when we live by faith, that fruit of righteousness begins to give us that desire. The second thing it said, it said not only uh, to pursue peace, but it said to pursue holiness. It said pursue peace and holiness without which no one sees God. If we are not people of, of peace, Understanding that I will be a part of others. Peace means wholeness, not separated. So to make peace means we come together. We don't just live our own life. And until we accept that and put down roots in the family of God, we are not pursuing peace. But it also says holiness. Now what is holiness? To pursue holiness, again, we have this idea of holiness as being Ooh, holier than thou, right? Ooh, that's a holy person. They are so holy. But 
That's not what holy means. Holy simply means, another word in some of your Bibles, it says sanctified. Pursue sanctification. Sanctification or holiness means that you are set aside for a purpose. You're not the same as everything else. You're special. I will set myself aside for a purpose. So holiness simply means I'm not like everything else, but I live my life on purpose. And the holiness is, that he's talking about is that we live for the glory of God. So a person that is holy does not mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you ever, you know, you might make lots of mistakes. Look at David. King David, he murdered. He was an adulterer. Uh, he uh, did many other things. I mean, he was a terrible father. And yet it says that he was a man after God's heart. Not because of the failures that he did, but that in his failures, he had a heart for God that he repented. He strove, he, he, he lived for God. When he failed, he acknowledged it, and he did better. You see, holiness is saying, God, my life is yours. When I fail, correct me and let me do better. But I am going to constantly pursue you, God. I am setting myself aside that I am no longer living for me, and I'm not living for my culture or what everyone else thinks. I live for God. I am therefore holy. I am set aside for that purpose. And so God says, this is someone who has a relationship with me. It's, it's basically like a marriage. In fact, we know the marriage is a picture of our relationship with God. When you get married, you are holy to your wife or to your husband. You're set aside for them. When we come to God, I am now holy to God. And I'm going to live that way. Now, it does mean that I have to separate from the world. And he used the example of Esau. Esau was not holy because Esau, um, uh, first of all, he lived for his physical pleasures. He called him a fornicator, a sexually immoral. And, and in the physical sense, he did. He, he went outside of, of God's desire and uh, entered into relationships with the, with the Canaanites that they lived in in that area. And so there was a, uh, uh, a living for himself rather than for God. And not only that, but he also uh, lived for the immediate pleasure. He was, remember, he gave up his birthright for a bowl of soup because he could not separate himself from the world and say, God, whatever it takes, I'm going to live for you. And it says, so therefore he was profane. In other words, he profaned God. God gave everything for us, and yet we cannot even sacrifice a little for him. We cannot begin to live in his principles. We cannot sacrifice a little bit to be separate from the world. And he says, that's profane. That's a slap in my face. You're saying that I am nothing to you because you are compromising with the world. It's like a marriage that, that you know what, you're married, but you know what, you don't have time for, for your spouse. You're, you know, even if you're not committing adultery, you just always have other activities. You know, it's like a, a guy that's always out with the friends. At some point, there's a decision to be holy, to be sanctified, to be set apart for the one that I love. And that means, it does mean following his principles. Remember we said faith is not only believing and trusting, but acting on God's principles because I want to please him. Not because that's going to make me better than everyone else. Ooh, look at, I follow all these 
No, but it's because I'm holy, because God has loved me and he has chosen me. And so I am going to be separate from the world and the way the world does things. doesn't mean I can't enjoy the world as long as I enjoy it in the way that God gives it to me. In fact, God does give us pleasures and he has created the world for us, but he just says, will you set yourself aside for me? And as we do that, we begin to see this fruit of righteousness grow within us. So as we live by faith, I want to ask, what does your life produce? Is it producing uh, a life that is following everything for you, it's individualistic, or is it a life of peace where you are reaching out to others, that you are loving others, you are ministering to others, you are being ministered to by others, you are part of the body of Christ, you're putting down roots to see the kingdom of God. See, if that's not a passion in you, I would question your faith. Because if we are not pursuing peace, if that's not our heart, then you don't have the heart of God. And the other thing, do we have a heart of holiness? Or are we living in compromise, um, uh, falling into the same sin over and over? Remember, we said there's nothing wrong with, but if you're doing the same one over and over, at some point, we need to say, where's my heart? Am I set aside for God? And these two fruits of our life will, will give a picture of our faith. Now, if we're not in those positions... I want to encourage you, don't try and just do those things. Well, I'm just going to be more involved at church, and I'm going to do everything so that, see, look at, look, there's the fruit of my life. Doing them is not what produces them. You cannot just go out and be holy. I'm just going to follow all the commandments. You see, these are fruit. So you cannot make fruit. You simply have to be rooted in the ground and let the fruit come out of you. So if those pursuits are not in your heart, how do we get them? I'll tell you how. We come back, we come back to living by faith. You don't try and work harder at it. I'm going to be better at making peace. I'm going to be better at being holy. No, you come back to I'm going to believe and I'm going to trust and then I'm going to act and I'm going to treasure God and I'm going to sacrifice. You come back to faith. The more you build your faith, the fruit will come. But if the fruit's not there, it tells you you need to go back to your faith. You need to begin to reestablish your faith and say, God, I want to live in faith that you might be glorified and that I might be perfected. And especially that I might see the end of what faith brings, which we're going to talk about next week. We're going to look at what is the end result of faith. And I'm going to tell you, it's worth everything you give up. But today, let's pursue peace. Let's pursue holiness. And let's pray that God will produce the fruit of righteousness that I might walk in relationship with God. The creator of the universe wants to walk in relationship with me and with you. So let's begin to walk in faith, to begin to put faith into practice in our life. Let's bow our heads.